going to read two passages of scripture and uh, that, that's not one of them. So <laughs> I think we got the, got, I didn't get, uh, I'm not sure what I sent you, but that's not them. So forgive me. Here we go. You get a chance to do that now. I'm going to read your scripture. The first passage is from, yeah, that's my mistake. So one of the things I have learned as a, as a pastor is that I have found that I have innumerable opportunities to help people work on the practice of forgiving, <laughs> starting with me. So the passages we are going to look at are actually um, Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 to 35. Matthew 18, chapters, chapter 18, verses 21 to 35. This is a parable that Jesus um, taught in response to a question that Peter asked him. So this is Matthew chapter 18, starting with verse 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began his settle the settlement, the man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. And the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master <clears throat> took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii. And he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And in anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. And that is how your heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. The second passage I'm going to read to you, which is not listed in the bulletin because I made a mistake, but I'm going to read it to you anyway, is Colossians chapter 3. And I'm going to read to you verses 12 through 17. This is a very, this has been a very special passage for me. Challenging, but very important. This is Colossians chapter 3, starting with verse 12. 
Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. And forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in your hearts richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your heart to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, to do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is God's word. <clears throat> So just I want to remind you of the context we're working with here. I, I want I'm, I'm doing a series here where we're just talk, we're talking about dealing with our past, dealing with our life in the past. And Amanda's given us a lovely illustration of that sort of thing that I, I, I want us to think about. We talked last time about repentance and how repentance really is a tool for us to be able to to turn and and turn our past the meaning of our past into something different. And you can't change the details of the past. You can't decide, you can't undo what has been done in the past. You can't go and unsay things. You can't go and, and, and change the way you, you act or you chose to act at a time in the past. But God has given us means by which we can alter what that, the past means and the power that it has into the future. And, and I want to talk today about forgiveness because that is, is a very special gift from God that enables us to take, to have power over our past. Now in this case, it's, it, it's power not over what we have done, but over what has been done to us. I mean, we, we, as I say, we recognize we can't go back and change. I can't go back and change what I do, what I say, what I've done in the past. And I also can't go back and undo what someone else does to me in the past. I can't, un I can't undo it. It's, it's a thing that's done. So I have to, I can live constantly tormented by it. Or maybe there's an alternative, and God has provided that. And I want to talk about forgiveness, but I want to walk into it through this passage that Jesus gives us here as we think about the nature of forgiveness and what it's, what it's all about and how God feels about it, what God thinks about it. So this story, this event here, takes place, um, as I, I've pointed out, a lot of what's in the Scripture, are G, uh, the Gospels, is Jesus interacting with other people. And a lot of his teaching is not, he, he was not so much a lecturer, though he did do sometimes when he would just pronounce to the people, but a lot of his teaching took place as he interacted with someone about something. Now here, it's, it's, a, it's Peter. It's, a, it's one of his disciples who's come to him with a question, and there's, the question itself just sort of begs us to recognize that there's a whole backstory to it. 
We don't know all the details, but it's clear that you don't ask this kind of question typically in the abstract. I'll tell you pastors try to learn this, that people will come and ask us some abstract theological question, um, and very often the question isn't growing out of just an abstract general intellectual interest about something. It's growing out of some situation in, in a person's life. Peter is not asking this question just because he, he's working in his notebook and he wants to have a good section on the nature of forgiveness in his theology. Peter is asking this question because he's got a difficult situation with someone who's causing him a problem. And he says brother, and we actually know one of Peter's brothers by name. I don't know whether he's talking about Andrew here or not, but he might be. Andrew is another one of the disciples of Jesus. He and Peter are traveling with Jesus a lot. My guess is that he's talking about Andrew. I don't know that for sure, but very possibly. That Andrew, his brother, has done something to hurt him or offend him, cause him a problem, has done him an injury in some sense. And, and Peter's wrestling with the issue of forgiving. But there's more to it, right? Because the question goes beyond that. It's not just, what do I do if my brother hurts me or offends me? No, it's, okay, he says, I know I, I have to forgive him. The question is, how, how often, how many times? So what we're dealing with here is not one individual event where his brother has hurt him. This is a repeated event that, that his brother has hurt him on multiple occasions, repeatedly, maybe even habitually. Maybe it is that Andrew has this thing that he keeps doing to Peter that, that is a problem, that's hurtful to Peter. And he keeps doing it. I mean, that's clearly the kind of backstory we're dealing with here. Otherwise, he wouldn't ask, how many times do I need to forgive this guy? He's asking that because he's had to do it more than once and he's getting tired of it. Right, so this is, this is not, he's not made, Jesus has brought this to us in a time when it sets it in a situation that's not simple. It's not like, oh, okay, well, once he hurts you, you forgive him, and after that, well, you know. How many times? Seven? Seven seems like a lot. I mean, I've done it seven times. I'm getting tired of it. I'm, it may well be that he says seven because he's already done it seven times, and he's ready to get off the hook. I'm done forgiving, so I've done it seven times. That's enough, right? Jesus says, oh, no, no. Seven. No. Seventy-seven times. Or it's hard to read it in the original. It could be seven times seven. That'd be not as many, maybe, but it's a lot. The point is, seven is this sort of number of completion in the numerology of the Bible. He's just saying, you just keep doing it. And the, 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 the parable he tells makes it clear that what he means is you do it until you don't need to forgive him anymore. You just keep doing it. So the, 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 the story that Jesus tells is about a king, an important man, a king, who has servants and they owe him money. He has a lot of people who owe him money. So he's, he's bringing them in and looking over the accounts and saying, so you need to pay up. Now this first one comes in and he owes a lot. And, and he begs to be forgiven. And the, and the king says, all right, I'll have mercy on you. I will forgive your debt. Then that servant goes out and finds somebody who owes him 100 denarii. 
and he grabs him, roughs him up, and immediately demands repayment, and when the man can't pay him back, he throws him in debtor's prison. A pattern for debt in those days was to sell someone and into, into slavery and, and sell all that he had into slavery, including the rest of his family, to try to cover the cost. And that's, the, that's what's happening here. Now, to get a sense of this, the way Jesus has laid this out, it's, I want to just, let me step back and say, clearly what he's talking about is God dealing with us and us dealing with others, right? We've got a king who deals with a servant, and then we've got this interaction between servants. But if there's any question about it, then the, the size of the debt makes it plain what he's saying. And, and I, since... It, you may not know ancient uh, monetary values. Let me just give you a sense of this, because when he tells this story, I am very certain that people in the crowd laughed, because it's, it's a ludicrous amount of money that we're dealing with here. A talent was a, a measure of weight, but in particular it became a monetary figure because it would be a measure of weight of gold. And so it had a certain value that was pretty stable. And it was keyed to other monetary figures. And a denarius was a, a standard, typical sort of wage for a day laborer. We see that in some of the other parables when Jesus talks about somebody being paid for a day's work, he's given a denarius. And that's roughly right. I mean, it's, it's hard to be real strict about it, but it was something like that. So if you want to get some kind of monetary figure, you can figure out what would somebody make today working at a minimum wage sal uh, pay Pay, rate, pay grade for eight hours of work, that's about what a denarius was worth in its time. But just to give you the, the figure here, one talent was 6,000 denarii. So a talent is a lot of money. Um, I, I didn't figure it out in modern figures, but it's just, that's the comparison. So one talent is worth 6,000 denarii. How much does that first servant owe? Did you read it? He owes 10,000 talents. In other words, 60 million denarii. Right? I mean, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a crazy amount. 60 million. It's, it's, the first servant's debt was 600,000 times bigger than the second servant's debt. You, you tracking this? I had to get my calculator out to do this this morning. I just want to make sure I had it right. The, the, the first servant's debt was 600,000 times higher than the second servant's debt. So what, what's, what we're talking about here is it, it's just they're not even comparable, right? The first person owes an, an amount that no person probably would ever owe. Jesus is making this beyond the majesty, so the huge debt, he gets that forgiven, and then he goes out to a man who owes him a pittance and shakes him and throws him in jail until he can pay it. You're checking me, are you? I see somebody got their calculator out. Oh, okay, all right, you're taking notes. Um, good, because I, I think it's, I did that right. It's, it's, it's just an enormous difference. And that's the point, and that's why I say clearly what we're talking about here is Jesus saying, God has forgiven you everything and granted you eternal life in heaven. Now, how do you treat one another? Does that transform you or not? 
Does that, the fact that God has forgiven you a debt immeasurable, does that have an effect on who you are? Now, what we don't want to do here, I don't want to go too hard in, in this and, and give the impression that, that so if we are called upon to forgive because God forgave us, and that if we don't forgive, God won't forgive us. That is the message, but it, it's not a new legalism. It's not like we buy our forgiveness from God by forgiving others. You know, he doesn't weigh it out and say, okay, you haven't forgiven enough yet, so you don't win your, your forgiveness. What we have is two kind of economies here. There's a forgiveness economy and a pay-everything-you-owe economy. And we are not given the option to be partly in one and partly in the other economy. We're not given the option to say, between us and God, I live in a forgiveness economy, but between you and me, we live in a pay-as-you-go economy. God says you pick one or the other and you live in it. You can either live in a forgive your debts economy, in that case you receive from God forgiveness and then you give to others what you've received from God, or you live in a pay-as-you-go economy, you pay me what you owe me, you get, I get my revenge if you hurt me, and God, you deal with me the same way. Anybody want to say that to God? <laughs> You want to say to God, listen, I want to keep my op option for revenge to others, so you treat me the way I treat them. God says you can't have it both ways. You can have one or the other, but you can't have one foot in one and one foot in the other. So how many times should I forgive my brother? Jesus says, how often do you want God to forgive you? You pick where you want to live your life. But behind all of this is the truth that God has made us to be like him. We're made in the image of God, right? You know that. We know that. We are made in the image of God. Now, our image of God got broken in the fall, but the intention God has for us from the start is that we should be like him, that we should have in our hearts what he has in his. So we are made to be like our Father in heaven. And what is our Father in heaven like? He forgives. And we're designed to be like that. And when we are at our most healthy and whole, the more we are like him, the more healthy and whole we are. If you want to live a rich, full, healthy, happy life, the more you're like God, the more you'll have that. The refusal to forgive is not how we were designed to be. So, when we refuse to forgive, we pour into our lives bitterness and resentment. That's, that's what unforgiveness is. It's bitterness and resentment against someone else. And when we hold on to that, we are pouring a, a substance into ourselves that is damaging to who we are. It's poisonous to us. Bitterness and resentment are poisonous. They are, they are detrimental to our well-being. And when we hold on to them, what happens to us? We get sick. Some people have uh, often said this about uh, un unforgiveness. 
Unforgiveness towards somebody who has hurt me is like me drinking poison and waiting for them to die from it. How's that going to work out for us? It's not going to work out well. And that's why I say that forgiveness is one of the tools God gives us to help us deal with our past and to survive our past because all of us get hurt. It is what happens. We, we hurt one another. And people close to us who love us will hurt us. And I don't, I, I on principle do not believe there is anyone here who has not been hurt by someone at some point in their lives. In a big way, in a small way, in a repeated way, in an occasional way, we are always regularly giving, being in a position where we have the opportunity to be hurt by someone else, to be offended by them, to have some injury done to us by someone else. And then we have to deal with that. And we can either hold on to our desire to pay as you go and we can get our revenge, or hope we will. Or, and, and when we do that, we start to suck on the, the candy of poison, of bitterness and resentment. Or we can take the tool God has given us to, to, to cut that off and say, I'm not going to drink that poison, I'm going to forgive. Now, a few words about forgiveness. We're really out of time, but I don't want to stop there because it, it, it's not a safe place for me to stop. Let me just say a couple of things about forgiveness. Forgiveness is not saying, oh, don't worry about it, it, it nothing, there's nothing wrong. All right? If, if there was nothing done wrong, forgiveness doesn't come into it. Forgiveness only applies when a hurt, an injury has been done. So, saying I forgive you is not saying you didn't do anything wrong. Forgiveness is based on the fact that something wrong was done. So you don't forgive if there was no wrong done. And when you forgive, you are saying, this was wrong. But you're also saying, I let go of my, my right to seek revenge, to hold on to, to resentment. I let go of it. I give it to God. I give the hurt to God. I leave the matter with God. I let go of it. I relinquish my right to get even. And I make a commitment that I'm going to move to a place where I have let go of resentment. Now I say it that way because the truth is I can't just throw a switch and change how I feel. Can you? Feelings don't quite work that way. So we can't just simply say, I'm not going to feel angry or hurt anymore. We're going to say, I am going to continuously choose not to savor resentment. Now that's what unforgiveness is over time. It's like, it's like savoring it, keeping this poison in our mouths. What we're, going to, what we're saying when we say I'm going to forgive is that I'm going to spit out the poison every time it comes up. So in my experience, I don't forgive once and move on. It's not that simple. I make a commitment. When I say I'm going to forgive, I make a commitment that every time the poison, that's, that bitterness comes up, I'm going to spit it out and not hold on to it. 
So it, it's, in some ways, it's like almost uh, an alcoholic dealing with the desire to drink. Forgiveness is, like, is, is that effort to deal with the desire to seek revenge, to hold a grudge. It means that, so if you ask a person in recovery, uh, um, you know, do, have you committed now never to drink again? Most people will tell you, I've committed now not to drink today, because I only have today. Tomorrow I'll have to make the same promise again. Forgiveness is like that. So today I, pr I make the commitment that I'm not going to hold on to bitterness. Tomorrow I may wake up and it's up again. And again I make the commitment I'm not holding on to that bitterness. Now I'll tell you from my own practical experience, one of the things that helps a lot for this, and it's very hard, I had an occasion, um, I've talked to some of you about it, I had a, came from a difficult place in my previous church and there were some wounds and injuries and I, I found myself on my morning runs running past homes of people I felt had hurt me. And I found myself, I had made it a practice to pray for my people as I passed their houses and I would, I, made, I found myself uh, after the, the injuries going past and, and praying that God would sort them out, help them see what they have done. And I began to hear God saying to me, now, don't pray that. I want you to pray that I will bless them. I said, okay, Lord, I'll do that. Lord, please bless them with clarity of vision so they can see what they did wrong. And God said, no, 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 no. That's not what I said. I want you to pray and ask me to bless them. God, I don't want you to bless them. I know. God says, I know that. That's why I want you to do it. Because that's what forgiveness means, is not to seek the hurt of someone who has hurt you, but to seek the blessing of them. Because what has God done for me? I have hurt him, and he has blessed me. Now, he's not blessed me because I hurt him. He has blessed me because I need the blessing of grace. And so God says, you pray that I will bless them and leave it at that. You give them to me and leave it at that. I still have a trouble with that sometimes. But God's working on it. And the more he does, the more he is drawing the poison out of me. And the more he does that, the more he makes me like him. I can't make me like him, but he can make me like him. He can make me be the way he is. And when that happens, the more that happens, the richer, the fuller, the more joyful my life is, the more peace I have in my life. That's the blessing that forgiveness is. I know it feels like a hard thing that God is asking us, but what he's doing, in fact, is saying, here is the path of freedom. This will take you out of the bondage to bitterness and resentment and anger and revenge-seeking and grudge-holding it's because that's a prison. And the longer you live there, the worse your life becomes. God says, I'm giving you the way out. Here's the path to freedom, to liberty, to fullness of life. Seek to have the heart of forgiveness in you, and you will have fullness of life. And the, and, and the key step to that is continuing to reflect on that six. $600,000 difference. That vast difference. Remember what he has done for you. Remember who God is toward you. 
Remember the debt He has canceled in your life. Rejoice in that and live that out in your relationships with one another. And you'll have freedom. And the past will no longer be a prison house of poison for you. All that will be, be put away. This is God's good gift to us. Don't, don't lose it. Hold on to it. Father, we want to live this life of forgiveness. We want to live this fullness of life that you, you offer us. Help us. Remind us of your love and mercy and grace to us. Your forgiveness of us. And help us to live into that heart so that our heart is like your heart. And we, we pass on to others what you have given to us in overflowing abundance. Help us to pass on to others the forgiveness you have given to us. And so, Lord, bless us with fullness and richness and peace and joy in life. Thank you for this gift. In Jesus' name, amen.